everybody. Welcome back to the Everything Went Black podcast. Tonight, Chris Grigg from Woe stops by. Some of you might have uh, checked out the Q&A I did on Clairvoyant with Chris, so we're pretty much going to continue the conversation about the new Woe record, you know, what he was doing in that sort of hiatus that uh, Woe has been on, and uh, some other interesting things. Everything Went Black is brought to you by Onnit, Datsusara, and Savage Gold Coffee. Head over to everythingwentblackmedia.com and you'll see portals for Datsusara as well as Onnit. And um, if you've been listening, you know that I back both of these companies fully. If you love coffee, go to savagegoldcoffee.com. And uh, currently on the site, you'll see that we have Savage Gold Prime, which is an Ethiopian Yurga Chef bean, a medium to light roast. We also have Blue Monday, which is my personal favorite. It's a dark Peruvian. If you're into doing the whole butter blended coffee, um, that's my pick for that. Uh, the strong chocolatey flavor of uh, the Blue Monday coffee goes really well with butter and uh, MCT oil. Blended first thing in the morning. Also coming at you is the brand new Savage Gold Centurion, which is an antibacterial soap which is perfect if you're into grappling or anything where you're rolling around a mat with sweaty dudes and you want to uh, minimize the impact of infection on your body. That's what the soap is good for. I'd like to thank everyone out there who has left iTunes reviews. Really appreciate that. If you feel so inclined, go to iTunes, give us a star rating, leave it and leave a review. It actually helps out quite a bit. You can also like us on Facebook. I don't know why I say us, because it actually is just me, but I guess it sounds better. You can go to Facebook and like Everything Went Black, and I would really appreciate that. Also, uh, if you're into Instagram, I'm Mike Hill Primate, and um, I can't say that everything I post is interesting, but it's sometimes informative, some of the things I put on Instagram. You can also listen to this podcast on Mixcloud which is a platform quite a few of you use. But if um, I know there's an app for it, and um, I don't know if it's any better or worse than downloading from iTunes or whatever, but it's just, once again, another platform you could check the podcast out on. And also there's the YouTube channel, which um, currently it's just these straight-up episodes, but down the line in the not-too-distant future, I'm hoping to do some sort of documentary-esque video pieces to hopefully... Um, you know, populate that. As usual, I'm uncomfortable with talking about money, but um, I've shut down the crowdfunding um, campaign on Podbean just because I don't think anyone really knew about it. And um, instead, I started up a Patreon account. You can go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash everything went black podcast. And uh, similar to the crowdfunding uh, system we had, with Podbean, it's broken down into $1, $3, and $5 a month pledges. So the reason why I chose Patreon is that it's a more efficient way of interfacing with sponsors. Um, this, this time around, you're going to get something out of it. You know, It's all broken down on the, on the uh, page. So if you go there, you can see what you can get for $1, $3, or $5. And I'm not just uh, trying to get rich off of your hard-earned dollars. For me, um, this actually does cost a little bit of money. There's bandwidth charges, and there's also hosting fees, and all this other great stuff, which adds up 
and comes right out of my pocket. So, um, yeah, looking to sort of offset that. The computer that I'm running all this high-tech audio gear is just about 10 years old. So, um, you know, one of the goals here is to fund an equipment upgrade, which would entail uh, hopefully a new computer, uh, up, you know, Pro Tools updates, and a couple mics. I'd like to get a new mixer, and also some video equipment for the aforementioned uh, documentary stuff that I'd hopefully like to do. So anyway, um, enjoy. Um, it's been a minute since Chris and I actually sat down, and um, he's somebody that I like a lot, and I really enjoy Woe's music. So, um, so there you go. Yeah. Um, so new, you have a new record. Yeah. Which is about to be released. Yep. And uh, it's been a sort of lull in activity for you guys. Um, so, you know, what's what what were you doing during that big break? <laughs> uh, writing writing code. Yeah. Writing a lot of code. Just just kinda um on I don't know. I needed time to like get back into it. You, you know? a little burned out, like Yeah, I was stuff. I was a little burned out. My uh like after after the last record, um, like right to shortly after the last show we played, we, we wanted to do a little bit more, but like we had some lineup problems and then my mom died oh. and I got, it, it just, it fucked me up and, and it like kind of made me think more about like where I want to be in the world. Like, yeah. what am I doing? Like, you know, I suddenly had like no energy for anything that didn't make me really really happy you know like just no time for it you know so that was when i left my job it's when i like got out of the like the it world and i was like you know what i'm gonna fucking write code and avoid this you know dramatic metal fucking social scene for a little while and um you know changed careers gave myself a little time to uh to adjust um, got married, you know, just, just kind of settled into, in a lot of ways, like a new life. Sure. Um, and spent a lot of time listening to rap. Um, a lot of time just like not surrounding myself with like a lot of the shit I used to. Yeah. Man, like losing a family member, especially a parent is, uh, it's a, I mean that a lot of people have said that's a real sort of turning point in their lives. I mean, our, Andrew, you know, our former drummer, um, when, oh. we were, when we were recording Savage Gold, his mom died like weeks before yeah. the session started. Man, Andrew, Andrew was actually so uh, so supportive, like really? so great. So you guys, yeah. oh cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he like, you know, he he sent me a lot of messages and just like it, it, it was a thing. Like I, I t- thought I was more prepared for it, you know, uh-huh. and then like you know realized i really wasn't and just having people around to just remind me that like like you know you life goes on and that there's another you you come out the other side not to say that everything is like ever okay again or normal again no but you you stop you you learn to kind of go on with your life and uh so he he was real supportive yeah i i I like to think that, you know, that incident is really something that caused him to do a lot of internal work and changes in his life, you know, and 
you know, for I mean, it, it's not a good or a bad thing, but you know, he no longer continued playing in the band after shortly after that, like a you know maybe like eight or nine months, and yeah, that was like his you know his own sort of path that he had to follow, and you know, we talked about everything, and it was really cool, you know, and and he's like super happy now. I see him, I just saw him um, a few months ago when I was out in San Francisco on tour. And you know, he came out. We we're hanging out. Yeah, he seems like he's doing great. Yeah, I he's mean, doing great out there on the uh, Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you know, uh, I I guess it just losing someone close to you it 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 can put things in perspective, you know, and it can it can it really just forces you to like reevaluate everything. Um, yeah, totally, man. It's like I, talking about losing parents. You hit you're just certain point in your life where it's like you start you get to a certain age and it's like wow like you kind of shudder a little bit like because you know for me personally i still have both of them. i'm fortunate enough to still have both of my 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 parents but just the concept of that going through that is like it's pretty brutal yeah know? and i'm really close to my family too yeah so yeah i mean my my dad is 79 now yeah it's gonna be 80 in september mm-hmm. um he and i he has he has a a, a good attitude about it we joke about it a lot in a way that my mom my mom never did my yeah. my dad is like super atheist like you know like chris when i'm gone dispose of my body as efficiently as possible you oh, know like well, like cool. that kind of guy and yeah you know we we joke about a lot of shit but uh you know it's it's a it's a thing it's a it's a thing i'm aware of sure you know it's it's it sucks yeah it's, it sucks so um, as far as uh, you know, like a lot of bands, what was gone through many different lineup changes, and uh, so I mean, when when you took this little break, w- was there ever the idea of not continuing, or was just a hiatus, or just sort of let let things let the chips fall where they may when you decided to, or was it even a conscious move to not put out any music for a while? It was, wasn't really, it wasn't really a conscious move to take a break of you know, of, uh, the duration that it ended up being. We always went through periods of activity and inactivity. Sure. Uh, really a, a combination of just motivation and everybody's schedules and opportunities that were available and, you know, just, just kind of, kind of rolling with it. Yeah. Um, so in this case, you know, it, it was it was really just like an energy focus kind of thing, or it was just I I I didn't have the the bandwidth for it. The other guys were all doing other things, and it it's the everyone who's involved is always like always really supportive, always really enthusiastic. Everybody's you know always a good sport about things, but ultimately it all comes down to how motivated I am to, sure. to organize and just to, to get the ball rolling. Yeah. And I just, just didn't have it. So, you know, it, it was, it was more just a question of when, you know, we got back to it when the time was right. And, and I think, I think there's, there's a lot to be said for that. Absolutely. You know? I mean, sometimes you, you get into this cycle of just grinding stuff out yeah. and playing shows and doing tours and writing material and, you know, and it can all, lead to a very uh you know sort of burnout that you would norm if all you need to do is really just take a little time off right and the irony is that you know though you and i are both similar in the fact that we both are passionate about music and being creative that as much joy and satisfaction as you get out of that the sort of flip side is that it also brings a lot of stress like 
you know, like misery at times, you know? God, man. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, just, just, I mean, woe has been around for what, almost 10 years at this yeah, point. Yeah. We're going on uh, 10 years, like in March, I think Yeah, is when I started it. And it's, uh, you know, it's probably been like a series of ups and downs and, you know, and that's like, uh, that's the thing that a lot of people don't see that, you know, aren't in bands themselves is how, like, how much of a, a brutal, like, how, how much it actually takes to keep it together, I guess. Yeah, yeah, especially when you're, you, you know, when you're when you're kind of calling a lot of the shots and especially when it, it really, a lot of it, when it does come down to, you know, your own motivation to, like, yeah. not just write, but kind of keep everybody else, you know, kind of keep everything on the rails. And again, that's not to say that, like, the other guys haven't contributed, but... Yeah, you know, it's yeah, man. It's it's exhausting. It it can be exhausting, um, especially you know when you're not making any money from it. You know, classic labor of love. You know, yeah. you just you if if you are not working on it, it's not nothing is happening, and you know that can feel like there's adversity every step of the way. Um, you know. Half half the metal world has been calling me a hipster for ten years now, which is kind of kind of funny, you know. I'm I'm a tourist for ten years, <laughs> in the eyes of some people, but you know, there's just bullshit everywhere. Yeah, you know, man, you know it's, people. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's like I don't know. I that it's in the metal scene. They try to think of it more as like a real quote unquote, you know, scene. But in a way, it's the same as like everything else. Yeah. Where there's like you know, the cool guys and this, you know, these guys are like legit and these guys are like, you know, posers or whatever. But it's like, for me, it all depends. To me, I see like, I look at the body of work. I look at like, okay, well, this dude's put been keeping the band together for 10 years. You got all these records out, doing all these tours. That's the real deal. It's not like, you know, some guy who like next last year he was into electro and like this year it's like, I'm going to try out this song, you know, playing black metal. I'm going to do a one-man black metal project after doing an electro jam thing. To me, that's like when I start, when people flip the script too much. And I see like, you know, not to say that you can't have different aspects sure. of your creative you know, life, but yeah. when things drastically change in such short periods of time, that's when I sort of doubt the validity of certain creators or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I definitely understand that. I think, but I think, I think it's what's kind of, funny about more like extreme kinds of art is that there is I think I I think most people enter into it with an understanding that the ceiling is usually pretty low you know and if somebody is just making black metal just I don't know like if they're if they're not really dedicated to it I don't know it's a lot of it's a lot of energy to put into something that's probably not going to do all that much for them. Yeah, definitely. You know? And yeah. I, I'm always, I think it's really, it shows how little most of the world understands about, like, the act of writing an album when you see people who think, like, oh, they're trying to sell out or they're posers. Oh, yeah. And it's like, Big dude, time. like, do you know what we put into this shit to, to yeah. make this happen? And how little payback we're expecting to get. Yeah, I guess the key to like that is just every uh, staying away from the online stuff yeah. and like social media because there's a lot of people who like hanging out in their mother's basements with like Cheeto stained fingers who are like you know real insecure about themselves and like let me let me just launch a couple a couple of these like insults at these guys who are like really trying to do something you know and that's like 
just got to put that in perspective. I mean, I used to back, you know, back when I first started doing tombs, I was like, you know, read Brooklyn vegan comments, and, yeah. you know, stuff on, and, and it, would, it would make me, it would piss me off at first. Cause I'm just like, and then I would realize that there's actually a whole like substrata of people who all they do is troll all day. All they do is they'll troll. hang out at their job in a cubicle somewhere and then just leave comments on all these different sites. And then I also noticed these weird, like troll number one and troll number two would meet on like a comment section of something and then work out their own, you know, battle, yeah. which has nothing to do with what the comment section oh, yeah. was about. And totally. it's just like, at that point, I decided to check out from uh, yeah. from reading those things. Yeah, I, I hear you, man. I mean, you know, uh, so, so many kids, especially in metal, I think. And, and I mean, if I look back, honestly, when I was few years ago when I was when I was younger I I had a phase of being a bit of a difficult person sure. you know yeah uh had a lot of a uh, lot of strong opinions that I wasn't you know I thought it was my right to kind of uh put out there and um I think that young younger people especially but I mean I guess it can happen at any age but I think I think Metal attracts a lot of people who are looking for identity and they start to think of like, you know, their subgenre of metal as an extension of themselves. Yeah. And then it becomes their responsibility to protect what they see as this extension of themselves. Right. So for for the dude who lives in underground black metal shit to them, someone who they think is going to corrupt it is you know it's it's they they see that person as someone who's almost like attacking them you know uh, yeah, attacking their identity sure becomes their responsibility to say like you don't belong fuck you because they're protecting this extension of themselves and i feel like when you get older you know and you start like doing bigger shit just you know music or life or whatever yeah. like you know f- family die and you you know you get a job and you get married and you, you you have other things that you care about and you realize like I don't I don't need to define myself the what other people do with their time doesn't have to define me and the things I care about. Yeah. No, that's that's a, that's probably the healthiest way of looking at it, but you know, I mean, couple the fact that like most people that like extreme music most most definitely have some kind of like you know, they're outsiders for reasons. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, and, and I'm not saying that you're you're a bad person or you're you're some sort of like borderline personality or whatever, but it's like you, you're an outsider because you don't feel like you belong to other groups. So you gravitate towards this other thing, but then you create your own sub click of that and you begin alienating other people. Yeah. But I mean you know, it's, it's, it's extreme music for a reason, you know what I mean? So yep. I, I, I definitely, there's, there's people with a lot of issues out there that are involved in this type of stuff, you know, and both of us probably have come into contact with them. And part of, part of what I'm trying to do in life is getting over these kinds of feelings of like, you know, wanting to just like reach out and like choke somebody unconscious who has like, you know, some sort of <laughs> weird opinion about things. Yeah. You know, and just kind of maybe seeing things from their point of view and being like, oh yeah, cool. When I was like 25 years old, you know, I thought unless you sounded like dead guy, like you were wasting your time playing music or something, totally. you know, or if you, you know, only listening to like, you know, blazing the, you know, like 
like the uh, the Emperor, like enslaved, split, and then judging all both of those bands' musics by like what they did later. You right. know what I mean? And having these like really extreme opinions about things. It comes from just like like you were saying, trying to find an identity and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. It's funny. This is anybody who's like ten years younger than us listening to this probably will think we're like the biggest pieces of shit. Like, probably, like yeah, all cool. those fucking old sellouts. But yeah, yeah you're right. That's cool. I like. I, it's probably what I would have thought 10 years ago about me now. I, I don't, I don't care. It's one of the privileges of getting older. Like, Absolutely, you don't, like I'm going to do the same shit, uh, I'm going to do, um, you know, and it's, uh, takes a while to get there and realize that, but it's, a it's a, I don't know, better place to be, you know, just kind of want to focus on stuff I'm doing. What's really funny is this. I just thought of this is, um, you know, we, we just, Eric Rutan, he's, he's the guitar player and singer and hate eternal was telling me that there was a period of time when, uh, when, well, his new bass players got short hair. Well, he's not a new bass player. The guy who plays bass in the band, the latest guy, yeah, JJ, he's got short hair. So the, someone asked him, how come you don't have a long hair playing bass? <laughs> you know, like it's down to like that level of like, you got to have a long hair and you got to wear like camo, like, you know, whatever to be death metal and all this sort of stuff. And I just think that's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that is, that's definitely, I mean, I remember, I remember those days, you know, feeling yeah. that way. I know I actually used to, I've met JJ a bunch of times. JJ, Mike's brother, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to butcher their last name. I, so I'm I not going to yeah, try to say it. Yeah. It's like a Eastern European last yeah, name. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, years ago he played, God played drums in a band in north jersey and my old black metal band played with them and uh as like a as like a short-haired guy with glasses you notice when a short-haired guy with glasses is fucking killing it on drums yeah i think he had glasses i, I remember him I not remember him not I being i didn't know him prior to being in hate eternal yeah i remember him not being super fucking metal looking and thinking like oh cool yeah <laughs> maybe i can grind like that so this new record it's taking you some time to put this thing out and uh it actually to me it sounds there's a difference sonically and the oh, yeah. whole vibration on the record is different than the other stuff that you've done yeah so uh so what's the deal man like you know where did all this this change come from <laughs> um you know the time away from playing and the time to listen to a lot of other kinds of music and think a, think a lot about it kind of allowed me to, when I came back to it, I was able to look at it a little bit more objectively and think, you know, what do I want to, what kind of band should this be, you know? And I think, uh, I think early on I might have had a better, I'm not going to say a better vision for it, but I, my, my vision for Woe definitely changed over the years. Early on, you know, I just wanted to make black metal. And, 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 and always, you know, I just, I want to write stuff that I find challenging and that I find interesting. Um, but I think that my own, just my own standards for, I don't know, just my own standards for like what I wanted to hear and the way I wanted to try to keep things interesting, um, kind of led me down some some places that I don't know if I would have gone now, you know? 
I, I always I come at I come at songwriting from this attitude of like you have to do what the song demands. You know, you have to work in the best interests of the song. Right. Um, with this one, you know, and that, that's that's the thing I've always believed. But with this one, I add the kind of caveat that like, yes, you, you have to work in the best interests of the song, but sometimes the song hints that it wants to go in a direction that like you shouldn't let it go, you know, and you, so, so I, I, I gave myself some more rules this time. Um, and one of the things I've realized is that very often, like what I want to write, what I find interesting to write is not what I find interesting to listen to, you know, and what I find interesting to listen to isn't always what I want to, what I like to play live. So this time the goal was like, like no compromises, like everything had to be consistent. And ultimately, you know, I want to play fucking fast, heavy shit. Um, and yeah, so I mean, so, so there's that, right. And it's just in general though, it's also, it's an angrier album. Yeah, it definitely Um, has an angrier vibe to it for sure. Way angrier. I mean, I, I, ironically for being for saying so much about you know being like a more adjusted person now i think it's uh it's let me i don't know i'm not gonna say i'm i'm an angrier person but it's allowed me to focus on different things you know so it's not coming from that very depressed place anymore it's coming from kind of just like clear more of a clear head more action oriented yeah more action oriented there you go Gotcha. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's a lot to be angry about, oh, right? Man. Like, yeah, like, well, fucking, no shortage. Yeah, no shortage, and um, you know, so being able to get my head out of my own ass and write about stuff that inspires me, because I can't scream about things that I don't care about. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, man. I mean, that that's that's where we ended up. I skipped right over this, but you mentioned that uh, you've been listening. In this, uh, to a lot of hip hop music. So, what old school, new school, like what kind of like con- contemporary stuff or older um, material? Or I jump, I jump around a lot. It's really it can it can be kind of overwhelming when you when you start digging in and you realize that you know you really have to probably spend years being obsessed to feel like you know enough about it yeah. to even talk about it. Oh yeah, totally. You know. I mean, it's just like the same thing of being into like punk and hardcore exactly. and like metal and all that other stuff. Exactly. Know? Yeah, and I tend to find a couple albums that I like and really fixate on them. So, you know, I I, I listen to some some newer stuff. I like Run the Jewels a lot. I like, yeah, I like I'm Kendrick. With them. Um, I like man, I like Old Nas and Helta Skelta, and uh, man. De La Soul. Oh yeah, I, I mean, classic. Yeah, yeah. Totally. You know, um, I've God, I don't know, man. I jump around. Is any of that stuff like? Do you feel like that somehow that you know inspired you creatively at all? Like even if it's just like a production idea or anything like that? Uh, yeah. It's it's made me think a lot more about lyrics. Yeah, it's, it's all lyrics. It's all lyrics. Really. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, it's all lyrics and delivery, yeah. right? Um. It's made me think a lot about dynamic, like what makes, um, what makes a powerful vocal delivery, um, and um, it's made me want to. I don't know. It's 
it's it's made me think about like what ideas metal does a good job of expressing mm-hmm. and what ideas it doesn't and when we think of when, we're, when we go back to talking about like how this album came out sounding a lot more aggressive i think i've come to the conclusion that metal is is for me the 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 metal that i make is at its best when i am expressing you know aggressive ideas sure um yeah. because i think that there are other kinds of music that do a better job of expressing yeah. practically everything else and the uh the flexibility of rap kind of showed me that when i realized that like on the same album you know you can have like an aggressive fucking political song and a song about weed and a song about your wife and then back to fucking politics yeah and you just you can't do that on metal within metal um not the kind of metal i want to listen to yeah and uh so you know that leaves me with like well what are the strengths uh, as far as i see it and you know that leaves me just fucking aggression so that's you know what i dug into yeah man so um there's a you know like something i can relate to is uh the lineup changes in the band and uh, now you have lev on drums yep and that's awesome yep and uh jessic has been in the band for basically sort of from the beginning sort of from the beginning yeah oh yeah and uh your, your uh your other guitar player is um matt matt from bellas from oh yeah bellas i've seen them play a few times yeah yeah so um when you're writing is it you know i mean we, we've talked about this in the past but is it is it a singular pursuit like are you by yourself um you know putting the time in or is that you know I, is i know that you guys don't hang out in the space and jam i know that but how much do the other members contribute to the songwriting process or do you have other these other guys in mind when you're writing all these pieces? So this one, this one I wrote, essentially wrote every song before like the band started learning them. Okay. However, um, everybody got, everybody had the opportunity to give feedback on pretty much every iteration of every song. I have, um, I demo everything. Um, like both guitars and bass mm-hmm. and drums. Um, I program drums these days. Cause you play drums too. Yeah. I mean, so you play drums on the first wall, right? Yeah. So, but I, I, for demoing, I just use, um, I just program them just for, for efficiency. Right. Um, so everybody had the opportunity to hear every song. I'd get feedback sometimes from, from the guys. Um, Jeshek listens to every iteration of every song and I mean, like, I could send him a demo at 1 in the morning, and by 1 p.m. the next day, I will have an email, like, breaking it down. Cool. That's like, great. Like, riff by riff. Yeah. And uh, we found that m- almost always his feedback, he would pick out the parts that I liked and the parts that he, I didn't like, and we would have very similar feedback. So he was good in that he, he, he more than anyone, really kept me focused you know, and if there were parts that I was like slacking on or things that weren't as good as they should have been, he would be the first to say like, dude, that riff sucks. Or like, dude, that transition. It's pretty crucial, man, to have a writing partner. It really is. You know, I mean, a lot of what I do is in a vacuum almost. And then like really the drummer, in this case, Charlie, 
um, is really the only one who has any structural input into the songs. You know what I mean? And yeah. Like, so it's good to have at least that one guy that you can depend on to like. Totally. Because otherwise you get into this. You like, get this this like womb of mm-hmm. like you know self obsession totally. and then you don't know where you're at you know yeah you um you see the same thing in in software development oh. i actually i actually took like a a big influence from like the agile software development process whereby you think in terms of like you always want to keep moving you never want to spend too long on any one feature Mm-hmm. any one aspect of a feature and um the the best thing to do is to iterate quickly rather than spending too much time on things because you can always it's a lot easier to to change something than to spend days or weeks just digging into something and then yeah. realize that it has to be changed anyway um so i with this one i i tried to always you know just keep the song moving if I wasn't happy with a part, just come back to it. Um, iterate, iterate, iterate. That's that's um, also helped me out, like with that mindset in in lyric writing too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. I, I man. mean that's that's like where I really. I mean I I I think I work similar similar to you in that respect. But for me, like having just the vocal patterns down, and then like yep. even having some placeholder lyrics to, in there, so you can at least lay it all out and see how everything fits. You know with the understanding that you're going to, you're going to change them at some other point in, in the future. Yeah, man. I, I did a lot of the same with lyrics. Um, did a lot of like scratch versions of things and, you know, just edited the hell out of them. Um, but you know, going, going back to like talking about the other guys, it, it definitely is worth mentioning that even when the guys weren't giving me direct feedback, I was thinking in terms of, just you know like what i what i think their preferences are for things and we all are on the same page when it comes to the kind of stuff we want to play yeah and we're of similar minds when it comes to what we want to listen to with you know like lev is definitely the most like brutally minded of all of us he's like but 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 it it was really helpful just to know that if i strayed too far off the path like i would kind of just picture lev like you know just glaring at me and uh so i i tried to write a lot of i tried to program a lot of the drums the way i would the way i thought he would want to play them um, cause you know, I'm also, I'm taking drum lessons for him from him. I've oh, been, you know what? I think I remember running into you guys at the space over at yeah. Acheron when you guys were doing that. That's, that's cool. That's possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been, it's been over a year now. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I have a, a decent sense of how he approaches a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So just, just knowing that I would ultimately be accountable to these guys. And if I did something that was, you know, too, Taking Back Sunday, they would be the first. <laughs> they would be the first ones to uh, to to give me shit for it. Um, so, you know, I, uh, you know, just just knowing that you're accountable to people, I think, can yeah, help you uh, really help. Because that that's like you know, having some other people in mind, not necessarily the audience, but like how getting feedback from people is crucial. Because I, I oftentimes don't get any feedback from anybody. And it's like, you do, like I was saying earlier, a lot of times I feel like I'm working in a vacuum. So it's important, I think, to have other people involved in the, uh, in the creative process. You know? Yeah, Lev's, like, Lev's one of the, uh, he's like a journeyman drummer, man. This dude's like playing all these records, 
he's like you know playing in all these different bands he's like a commodity dude in the, he, in the brooklyn metal world or whatever you know he never stops yeah he never stops he he we recorded he immediately went on tour and then I'm pretty sure he got back and then he immediately had to go to like Miami or something. Like he just finds himself in these situations. It's, it's really cool. He like never stops, man. Yeah. Great attitude. Just, just a monster. That's awesome. Total. Now you started out recording all the woe material yourself. Cause I mean, you, you're, do a lot of production work. I know you did Hive Lords. You've done like a bunch of, you know, I think Sagicacia, you probably mm-hmm. did them too. Yeah, yeah, I did uh, a couple things for them. Yeah. Now, do you uh, have a, you had a space in Brooklyn here that mm-hmm. you were working out of too. Are you still working out of that space? I have, I have this space in um, kind of close to Bushwick. Yeah. And I still have a ton of gear there and we rehearse there sometimes if I have to mix. Like I tracked vocals for the new Woe there. Right. Um, if I have to do something there, I will. But I just don't really. I find recording, I find mixing too. It's it's too subjective for me. I oh, get yeah. like too obsessive about little details. Sure. And uh, I don't think I'm good enough at just getting the. I I, I just don't know how to get the results that I want. And uh, I I have this bad habit of just like agonizing. Mm. over like little things mm-hmm. and uh so i find that i'm just a happier person when i let other people work on stuff it's a bit easier when it's other people's material yeah I you think know so. like i i really the hive lords uh ep like seven inch yep. that i did mm-hmm. i'm i'm really proud of that one i'm really proud of the sagicacia full length um you know there 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 are some that i really like but Overall, the whole process is just too time intensive, too stressful, um, and I'm never like a hundred percent happy with anything. Yeah, yeah. There's enough that can go wrong and make you obsessive about just performing in a recording, totally. as opposed to like being involved as being the, the main player in the production yeah. end of things. So, uh, so you, you sort of this latest record is more of a hybrid of like you tracking some stuff on your own and then working with a, with a different producer and. Only, only the vocals. Just the vocals. Just the vocals, and there were some some guitar overdubs that um, it just made more sense. Like there there was a there's a solo that I knew was gonna take me too long at the time to to get it. Um, you know now I can get it pretty tightly, but um, I just didn't want anybody standing around while I was working on that. And um, I still had lyrics to finish anyway. Um, and then there were just like some some overdubs that I wasn't really happy with how they came out when we were tracking them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so, so those were the only things, guest vocals from Brooks on the one track, um, you know, those were done. He, he did those. Yeah. But, uh, otherwise Stevie did the whole thing. Um, you know, it, and it was, it was awesome. It was a great experience. That's awesome. It's great. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a relief, you know? So there's, did, there's been a shift lyrically too in some of the material from the older mater- older stuff as well too, right? I mean, like yeah, you know. yeah, uh, I I think so to some extent. You know, I mean, there's uh, we've always like we've always had. It's it's kind of hard to kind of hard to say. I mean, we we've had we we've covered a range of ideas, a range of topics. You know, a lot of it used to come from a really negative, depressed place. Um, you know, like kind of like an existential, like 
anything. Um, now, you know, like we were saying earlier, it's, um, you know, it's a lot more, I'm not, I'm not going to say that it's, I think it would be unfair to say it's a political album because I think when you say it's a political album, it puts you in a, in a certain category and, and, yeah, I, and I like Los Crudos or something. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think, I don't want to think, I, I feel like as influential as a lot of like political punk and hardcore has been for me, I think that it, it risks becoming a little too topical. You know, and then you yeah. look back on it like, you know, Christ the album. It's it's an important album, but it's very much about, you know, time in the 80s. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you can look at it as kind of like a, you know, an important statement at the time. Yeah. But, and I've, I've even read some stuff about how it came out later than they wanted it to. Mm-hmm. And by that point, like, there were already riots in the streets and, like, the shit they were writing about right. already happened. So... I'm not going to say it's a political album. Uh, I feel like it's more of like a, you know, socially minded album. I hate to, I, I get you, man. Because it's like, you. I mean, last year was like a very pivotal year, I feel, like culturally in the United yeah. States. And, uh, you know, just with the election that was hap- that happened. That's, yeah. Uh, between a, two people who really, I mean, you know, whoever you guys voted for out there, it's your, your business. Everyone knows that listens to this, that I'm a detractor of Donald Trump's, but like, you know, I feel like they're really neither, neither one of the two parties that everyone gets behind really were able to field a viable candidate yep. for the first time, I think ever in oh, yeah. the history of this country. Absolutely. You know, so I mean, that had to have like informed some of your ideas that you're having, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Entirely. Entirely. And I mean, you know, it, my, my feelings about against Trump or like no you know no secret yeah definitely. um but ultimately I'm a lot more interested in um in power and how it affects the individual mm-hmm. you know okay. I think that uh, a big on both sides in the election um you know what resonated with people were these ideas of shifting the balance of power yeah. you know that that was that was really central to bernie's message it was really central to trump's message um i think that's the lack of that was part of why clinton couldn't get the the numbers that she needed um you know that ultimately is is at the core of the black lives matter movement yeah um you know it's it's it all comes back to people without power wanting to have a seat at the table, you know, wanting to, to, uh, to take power back from these elites who aren't listening to them. Yeah. And I think that Trump is looked at as more of like, in, in, like erroneously as the sort of every man. Like yeah. I mean, for like, the, you know, the, the regular guy. Which yeah. Is, which is fucking hilarious. Cause that's a man who like, there is no way he wants anything to do with the people who he's, uh, you know, ta- trying to talk to. Yeah. He, he has no, he has nothing to say to them. You know, billionaires in general, like don't, I think that when you have that, that much freedom, like how could you possibly relate to anybody at that point? No, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you know, it's, especially having spent most of my life living in the New York metropolitan area, you know, Donald Trump has been somebody that's been, you know, part of the consciousness of 
the tri-state area yeah. for like decades. Yeah. So, you know, he used to be a Democrat, you know, all, you know, his, his bankruptcies, you know, the Trump Towers, putting his name on everything, you know. It's like you, he's almost like a character, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, you know, the fact, and in, in, as time goes by, I think that this is going to be like a very interesting part of the U- U.S. history that's going to be analyzed and like oh. 30 years from now, some kid's going to be writing papers about what happened. Absolutely, year. man. I, I can't, I'm looking forward to like the, the Oliver Stone, you know, movie about it or the, um, man, who's the, uh, the, <laughs> the fucking, um, the social network who wrote that? Oh, um, that's a good question, actually. That dude, you know the guy. I do know the guy. Um, he has that very that that particular dialogue style, um, and he did. Uh, I don't think he did the West Wing. Did he do the West Wing? Now, 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 you're you're losing me on that. I think and um, newsroom. Yeah, let me just get the guy's name here. But I want him to write the story. Although Trump wouldn't be that articulate, I think he'd have trouble writing dialogue for Donald Trump. Um. But yeah. you know, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to to seeing the you know the how this is reported years from now. Um, but I mean, y- you know that that aside, like where where woe is concerned, like lyrically, I'm I'm I, I'm a lot more interested in you know kind of telling telling stories about you know how power affects people. You know, like the the human side of things. Um, so, you know, because I, I, I think that a lot of metal is, a, a lot of metal lyrics come from kind of detached places. Sure. You yeah. know, it's like big ideas of mm-hmm. evil and chaos and fire, which is fucking cool. Yeah. I, I get it. Um, but for me, uh, I'm a lot more interested in in, you know, like, things are feel a little more real yeah to me totally. you know at least where woe is concerned yeah um you know I, the filmmaker is david fincher fincher yeah fincher who's the but who's the the writer the writer of that. the writer the newsroom writer um now, now you're losing me there i'm not sure newsroom david fincher i know him from he did one fight, of club, fight right? club and like one of the alien movies Oh man, he did Alien Three, didn't he? Yeah, that was that was a good one. Man. I haven't seen I haven't seen Alien Three in a really long yeah, time. It's fucking weird, right? It's or, cool. It's a great. Wait, I think it's really interesting, man. Did he do Three or did he do All Resurrection? Right. Uh, the one where they're on the prison planet. Yeah, okay, that was Sigourney him. Weaver shows up and it's all these men. Right. And she shaves her hair. And yeah. Somehow looks better with with like a crew cut, you know. And yeah. Everyone's getting all worked up, and then. You know that that's that's the one that Fincher did. It looks like a film that he did. The colors, right? And everything. Yeah, real dark, right? Yeah. And then I think Resurrection was done by the French guy, right? Yes. Yeah, Resurrection's so kind of like weirder. Yeah, that's where it starts drifting off into kind of self-parody in some ways. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, I don't know the writer's name of that that newsroom thing. That's cool. Right. Who, who's your, what's what's your what's your go to alien like in the series? Oh, it would probably be the first one. First one. I, I mean, that one to me just stands on its own. Really, I mean, yeah. I you know I enjoy Aliens, the second one, and I enjoy the one that David Fincher made too. Yeah, and uh, I have all of them on like this collection, and uh, you know that's but the first one just is so moody, and the H.R. G- you know Giger uh, 
you know, sort of uh, design aesthetic on it is uh, really, it's like when I, I was very young when I first discovered those movies and that sort of weird organic, like, look to everything, yeah. like, was real creepy to me. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, and, man. And I think that aesthetic was lost, except for the creature, you mm-hmm. know, itself. But that the look of that movie changed over the sub- subsequent sequels sure. and whatever. And But I, that first one, just the gothic nature of it yeah. is, like, amazing, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think you... I get this feeling the first one was just put together, like, so carefully. Yeah. So carefully. Like, every every scene is just is just art, mm-hmm. you know? Definitely. And it's because it's all about that that mood and that, like, that, that sense of dread. You know, I have, this fucking um, thing is coming for you. H.R. Geiger published uh, his uh, production journal from that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I have a copy of that. It's really cool. I bet. Yeah. I bet, I'm man. a huge fan of his. It's like, I mean, some, you know, most people love his work, you know, but... But yeah, that movie really uh, was scary. Um, you know, it was in, sort of introspective and moody. Yeah. And uh, and also for the time it came out, like the special effects. I think the special effects still hold up. Oh man, as, it's still gorgeous. Yeah, like, as long as you watch it, you don't watch it in like HD or something like that. Yeah. yeah HD kind of ruins like older movies, I feel like. I can see that. Yeah. Did you... Um... I feel like, and like the second one, second one was just an action. It was movie. just fun, it was which a, is cool, which is fine. You know, which which Terminator do you go for? Oh, man, still the first. one. Still the first man. one, but it's the same thing. It's yeah. really the same thing. Like the first one is like, it's like a suspenseful, like tense, dark, yeah. serious movie. Tech noir, man, yeah. and yeah. yeah, and then that second one, like a classic, but it's it's just it's an action movie. Yeah. You know, he's hanging out with a kid. He's wearing, you know, he's totally he's, like. You, you, you know, in the first one, he was a villain. Yeah. He was a great villain, you know, and all the classic lines and, like, you know, the story, you know, that sort of paradoxical time travel thing. It was, like, a, a really novel sort of idea when it came out. So, like, you know, Terminator 1, I like the other ones. You know, the, the second one's classic, but as you mentioned, in a different way. It's yeah. an action film. You know, it's got Eddie Furlong in it, whatever his name is, that guy, the kid. And uh, and the Terminator is a good guy. Yeah, you, know, you don't want to see the guy. Don't want to see the Terminator. It can't be a good uh. guy. You know, it's a killing machine. You know. Yeah. But that's the funny thing too is like, as as I, I kind of see a lot of these ideas being manifested in our in our society, man. Like these, like the Matrix and like the Terminator, and you know, artificial intelligence and all this sort of stuff. I mean, you know, you're you're uh, in the technical world. In a way, yeah. In a very deep. Way. I mean, yeah. I, that's what you do in your career, you know. Yeah. So I mean, um, a lot of this sort of like it seems almost inevitable that something like that world is a possible path that humanity can go down in like a sort of multiverse like idea. You know what I mean? It it definitely is. It definitely is. I mean, I think we'll get we'll get to more of like a like a black mirror. Um, you know, more of a Black Mirror world where, like, have, have you watched? Oh yeah. Any of that? So like, yeah, I've seen I, most of them. I, uh, you know, the the recent one in this recent season, I think it was the first episode, might have been the first or second episode where they're having like, you know, the social media scores. Yep. That it like, China is actually working on that right yeah. now. You know, we're we're not too far away from from things like that. Um, I feel like that'll we'll, we'll get there. We'll get to a real fucked up place there before we get to to a Terminator place. Um, I'm actually, 
I'm actually a little more afraid of the the like the the subversive, you know, like everything is monitored, everything is like like you, you can't trust anything. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. That's that's a little a little bit scarier because you can't even really see the you can't really see it, you know. Um, there's, there's an article going around where they're talking about how like, you know, fake news is going to get worse. And one of the things they mentioned in it is this, this new tech from, uh, I'm pretty sure it's from Adobe, either Adobe or, um, I think it's Adobe who, um, they're, they're describing it as like Photoshop for audio where they're saying that they can create, they can create entire words, you know, they can create sentences in somebody's voice that are indistinguishable from the real thing. Damn. Um, and then on the other side, using tech, you can make it look like a person is saying anything. Like you can take like using photos and like some video of a person, you can kind of like map their face onto yours. So if you combine that, you end up in this place where you really can't trust digital media at wow. all. Um, it's fucking crazy. That man. is crazy. It's crazy. I mean, wow. you know, they're saying automation is going to gonna, um, displace millions of jobs over the next few years you know the trucking industry the, the last remains of the trucking industry are are, are uh, in the greatest danger i think right now you know i heard that somewhere else too how that's even something that's going to be automated like shipping stuff oh yeah man country so you mean to tell me that there's going to be tractor trailers yes. that are completely automated yeah that's like that's like the thing i'm pretty sure that's going to be the first those, those are going to be one of the larger I think trucking companies or shipping companies is rolling out a fleet of fully automated trucks very soon. And they're going to be on the highway. With on the highway. Else. Well, yeah. Statistically, they're safer. You're, they're a lot safer than human drivers. Sure. Um, yeah. Okay. Maybe. Unless something goes wrong, right? Unless. Like, that's what I mean. Like, you true. Know, yeah. I mean, like, it's like, it doesn't feel like it feels wrong. Yeah. But. You think about how fucking stupid people are. Oh, and just truck I mean, drivers are driving. They're on meth, driving across the country. Dude, they're no up sleep. all night. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's you it's know. a it's a tough job. They're they're up all night controlling these like you know multi ton machines that are not very responsive. Like Damn. it's it's exhausting. That's um, like uh, that's a step in that direction, man. Of like, you know, these like sort of in, you know artificially intelligent overlords taking over everything because like eventually you know i mean you go into this dystopian rabbit hole of like yeah you know the machines and like doing things better than you know actual organic life can do yep you know yeah and i mean in time there's there's almost nothing you can't program a machine to do um you know i mean there, there will be it'll it'll take a long time um what i work on we're actually working on um a device and like a whole system that relates to uh, physical therapy and um, like like muscle performance. Okay. And we're capturing a lot of data that's never been possible to capture before. With you know we have all the patents on some different tech, um, but we're we're capturing a lot of stuff with the intention of eventually making recommendations that it's never been possible to make. You know. Hmm. Um, and that's the way like the whole world is going, you know. They're saying that uh, what is it? Uh, the IBM AI is able to m- it makes more accurate cancer diagnosis and like treatment recommendations than doctors. Than the well, best that doctors that makes in the world. sense to me. I can see that. You know, I mean, 
that that I can I can see that. But uh, what's interesting is like you know it's only a matter of time before we start enhancing our physical bodies, which we already started doing with oh, all man. these like replacement hips and everything. But next thing you know, it's going to be physical enhancements of some cognitive abilities like brain implants and yeah, man. eyesight and all that dude i'll take that shit Fucking and then like gun what arm? happens i want though? a gun arm you know? what happens if like you know the you know ai sort of overcomes like what you like you as like an organic being like the enhancements actually overshadow who you yeah. actually are and then what? you just become like a battery for them basically. and the would the person be aware that something is like like that is happening you know it's it's that's that's like the a scary one of the many scary things there is like you could get these enhancements and you could essentially stop being yourself and you might not know it and if you don't know it has a change actually occurred that's what i mean you know um does it matter if you're not aware of it you know i think i think like a lot of the possibilities of technology don't like the possibilities of automation and, you know, computers doing a better job of things than humans. That, that doesn't really, doesn't really bother me. What bothers me is the likelihood that the people who are in control of that technology are not going to give a shit about who they're displacing and there will be no safety net for you know the people who are just completely cut out yeah um you know like better technology should fucking erase shitty technology yeah but you know i think that america a lot of people in america don't want to believe that like we have a responsibility to like take care of individuals and uh i think that's a thing we're gonna have to confront is yeah that, like you know and, if, and that's like definitely not doesn't doesn't line up with the you know the renegade American. No, it does, know, and no one wants cowboy, to like. Yeah, man, and I don't know. think anybody wants to feel that way. I don't think anybody no. wants to like, you know, to wake up one day and be replaced, and then like be on the government payroll. You know, like nobody, everybody. I think most Americans want to contribute and want to yeah, work. They want to be you know sort of self sufficient. Yeah, and, man. You know. But that, that concept is like almost like a European idea, it really. Because, I mean, they, you know, ob- they're obviously older cultures, you know. Uh, they have a stronger identity with their culture because when you go to Germany, everyone there that's a German is a German. They're yep. not, you know, there's very, I mean, there are immigrants, but it's like, like our, our mutual friend Ralph Schmidt, his family, you know, his, his like lineage probably goes back to like, you know, like when the Sumerians came over and like settled, <laughs> you know, Northern Europe or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he's his whole, like everything is there, you know? So they have like, I think more empathy as to what their citizens are up to, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like the well being of like the people that live in their country, you know? So, I mean, that's definitely, I feel like us as like world citizens in the United States should sort of let go of some of that cowboy philosophy because it is kind of bullshit, really. I mean, in the society we live in now, we're not like these, you know, guys riding around on horses with guns and no laws. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, if you try to compare the American today with, like, an American from, like, the 1800s, like, the American from the 1800s probably, like, shoot the guy. Who's oh, like, I know, I know. We're a bunch of spoiled little yeah, fucking brats by totally. comparison. Um, but, you know, I mean... 
don't know a lot of a lot of people really like this idea i you know actually i think i think there's like a very cynical attitude that a lot of people have where they think that like anybody like the idea the only people who would ever take any kind of assistance are like freeloaders who are out to fuck me you know they want my money they want to and it's like i I, you know I, i have a pretty grim view of most things but in that in that regard i think like i said like i think most people do want to work do want to contribute yeah but like we're we're gonna be faced with this situation where there are just so many people displaced yep. that the options are going to be like call them all lazy and tell them they're on their own and you know create this whole underclass of people with no fucking future or we have to come together and figure out a way that we can you know help people transition to whatever the next their next career or you know yeah. help them like just fucking chill the chill the fuck out and help them find a way to like feel whole yeah that that's a big thing man and i think a lot of it is just like educating people about you know controlling how many kids they have to you know what i mean it's <laughs> yeah. like okay great so i mean you know maybe like these like ideas that christians have or catholics about you know birth control need to be like let go of too and you know, be more pragmatic about spreading your seed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which man. also plays into the idea of like we were talking about AI and it's like maybe like humanity is already obsolete, you know, I in mean, some ways. It's like we were basically fucking chimps, you know what I mean? Dude, we're I mean We're the same physiology yeah. for thousands of years. Yeah. I mean in a lot of ways we're just fucking stupid animals, man. Well, even our bodies too. Like we're not meant to be sitting down all day. Yep. So our bodies get all decrepit and, you know, we're not meant to be in a world of like this sort of, um, you know, chronic stress and these high cortisol levels and all this other stuff, you know. So we're not really physically meant, we're not, we're not optimized for this type right. of life that we're living. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, maybe the AI, maybe that's like the next logical step. Yeah, man. To just bring on batteries the, for bring this. on the batteries, <laughs> bring on like fucking gun arm and like, you know, like rocket legs yeah. or some shit. I don't know. Like extra brain power. Take all that shit. Cause if you think about it, it's like, even, you know, when I was a kid, I used to be able to do like math in my head pretty good. But you know, nowadays there's like a little calculator on your phone. It's like, even my arithmetic skills have degenerated over the years. You know, and I don't really retain as much knowledge in my short-term memory because I could just look something up on Google in seconds, you know? Google do a better job of it, too. And they'll do a quicker... It will do a better job. It'll, yep, you know? absolutely, man. So, you know, it's like that sort of dependency has already started, you mm-hmm. know? And then it's next thing you know, like, the implants start, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, Google Glasses, what the hell? Have you tried any of that stuff? Uh, well, Google Glass, they, they, they canceled that. That's, but, you know, that failed... Um, I never tried that one. Um, never really seemed. I didn't really get that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna take a while for the the technology to catch up to what we would like it to do. You know, I mean, there's. I think there's a lot of stuff that'll be coming out, but I I I don't really know when we'll start to see like really transformative like you know, shit that turns us into like meta human. Yeah. You know, do you, um, have you tried out any, uh, virtual reality stuff? I have not. 
I'm pretty stoked about it. Have you? No, not yet. Are you a gamer at all? Uh, I used to be, but I haven't because if I did, I would, especially now that I have like a more, like a f- very flexible thing going on with my days. <laughs> you would just spend like, like all just, day yeah, playing done. The Witcher yeah, or yeah, something? totally. You know, I have to maintain a very regimented schedule. Yeah. Otherwise, I just fly off and just nothing gets done ever, ever around here. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm the same way I, uh. I have to like if I'm gonna play a video game, I have to have like nothing else to do because yeah. it's probably all I'm gonna do in my free time for a while. So, you know, I don't play a lot of uh, a lot of really long games anymore because I just it'll either take over my life or it'll take me like three years to finish because yeah. I'm gonna play it an hour at a time for you know ninety weeks or something. I mean, some of the stuff they got going on is really cool it's looking, awesome. man. And like, awesome. uh, my cousin used to be really into games. And uh, he's, you know, now that he's got like a family and everything, he doesn't really, he minimizes that. But I remember when I was to go visit him, we used to play, uh, you know, video games and Resident Evil and stuff like that, the zombie games. But now it's like a whole other realm of, it's like, that's like, you know, listening to eight tracks. Yeah. Like now it's like. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, well, VR, VR is fucking crazy because it's like when I it's not really until you, you like you have to spend some time like thinking about the fact that it it's not just like your tv but closer it very much fools your brain into thinking that you're actually there right so it's like it's it's a different level of immersion like it's not it's not like you're just closer to your tv it's wow. not like your tv is wrapping around you it's very much your brain as far as it's concerned when you're like on top of a mountain you're on top of a fucking mountain um and I think about how kind of uh, drawn in, how close I can feel to a video game world when I'm sitting on my couch and it's across the room. Oh, yeah. Imagine, you know, imagine, you know, the people, there are people who will play Skyrim just forever. Yeah. And it's like they're sitting on a chair at a computer or they're sitting on a couch in their TV. Imagine those same people, but their brain is telling them that they're actually in there. It could be the end of everything. It could be the end of everything. It could be the end of everything. Fucking maybe, you know, maybe that's maybe that's what we need, you know? That's what I'm saying, man. It's like, you know, like go back to the Matrix, you know, it's like, you know, the that Matrix world, except for obviously, you know, Neo and, you know, Lawrence Fishburne's character. Yeah. They're like renegades, like flying around reality. The ninety nine percent of the planet Earth were like living in a virtual reality world, just chilling in these pods creating heat energy for uh for the you know this like ai yeah you know and it's like maybe this uh you know vr is like it sounds very much like that's the kind of world that these motherfuckers lived in yeah in man matrix i uh it sure does i sometimes i kind of wonder i don't know it's uh not a thing not a not a life i'd like no but i mean as things get shittier you know, maybe that's what people need to feel better about their lives. I, I, yeah, ooh, see, that's like the dystopia, I, man. I, you know, you know I have. Uh, it's it's tough. It's really tough. Part of me, part of me wonders if, like, you know what, if 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 that's what people need, you know. Yeah, it's uh, so like with with the VR though. Like those, you put this headset on, right? Yeah. And like, what? actually goes on with your optical thing you know what happens so 
they uh, now this is all based on just like what I've you know I've I've yeah. read a fair amount about it. I'm actually I'm gonna wait to to buy like an Oculus or something until okay. I want to wait like a generation. Yeah, tech generation. Or sure, two. New, new tech is always kind of so sketchy. Yeah. yeah, and I mean they've they've come a long way, but so they've done math to figure out how long it takes your brain to process an image to think of it as real time, you know? So they know how, like what the refresh rate is and mm-hmm. they, they know how long, like they know how long in like microseconds it takes from when the image hits your optic nerve to when your brain or like when it hits your maybe whatever's it might not even be your optic nerve. Like whenever it hits your eye, whatever the fuck yeah. is closest to the world. Your retina. Yeah. Um, they know how long it takes to get to your brain okay. and be processed. And they know, you know, so it's like two images and they have to keep them in sync mm-hmm. and the refresh rate has to be at a certain level or your brain stops believing it. But they've, yeah. they, they've, you know, they can do math to figure out like, how do we fake, how do we make your brain think you're there? It's man. fucking crazy, man. Yeah. Like, it's like, uh, that's awesome. Very, uh, it's a very psychedelic uh, sort of thing. It really is. Yeah. Cause it's like. It just, it's, at first I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? What's going on over here? It's, they're basically sort of rewiring or like short-circuiting yep. the input. That's exactly Because then right. once it gets into your nervous system, it's just electrical impulses. Exactly. And yeah, man. And then you can interact with this somehow, right. I guess. Right. Wow. So, you know, I think they're going to have to just, every now and then I read something about you know, because because ultimately for full immersion, you have to you have to do more than just what you see, and what you see is a big part of it. But yeah. you know, what you see and what you hear, easy easy enough to take care of that. They they're gonna have to start moving into like, you know, what you feel, and and that'll be that'll be interesting to see yeah. if you know like. So there's like an audio component too, like so you wear yeah headset, speakers you know, full headset like yeah visual sp- oh, wow speakers in it. Um, it'll be interesting to see if like you know 50 years from now, what if you're in like a fucking like a you know, some kind of suit yeah. that has like different like electrical impulses. Sure. That's that's probably the next step, man. It's gonna have to be. It's gonna have yeah. to be. There's this uh there's this tech startup that they have this man, it's it's hard to describe. They have this it's this thing that you stand in while you're wearing a VR headset. It's basically like a platform that has this like it's like kind of recessed in the middle and there's like picture like a gate around you right and you're standing in this like recessed area and you wear these special shoes that are real like slippery yeah and you can run in place basically so the idea is like you put a headset on you can like move around and run and shit and um because of like the nature of like the the shoes and the recessed thing Mm -hmm. you essentially feel like you're running wow so it's supposed to be it's supposed to be really crazy i think they just they just got funding for I think they had their couple million bucks in. Damn. Um, or maybe there's just like this implant in the back of your <laughs> where they just jack Full you matrix. In. Full and, matrix. But I mean, the, the reality is like, what's the difference? Because at that point, all you're doing is is like bypassing yep. the actual tactile, uh, you know, uh, actuators or whatever. You're, yeah, you know? And it's like, and then it's all chemistry from that point right. on. It's like. You know, you, you stimulate certain glands to like secrete certain enzymes and like, you know, you're, you know, you're happy, you're sad or, you're, you know, you're, you can, man, it's fucking scary to yeah. me at least. Yeah. But I mean, you, you, you nailed it when you said it, like it's just inputs, yeah. right? Like it's all electrical impulses, you know, crazy. Did you ever see that movie Strange Days? Strange Days. Are, first of all, are you, are you a science fiction fan at all? I am a science fiction fan. Okay. 
I have a terrible memory for movies and things. My, uh, my it, went, it went by a lot of people. My wife gives me a lot of shit. I have you met her? I don't, I don't think I have actually. She uh, she comes to shows. She 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 likes. I shouldn't say too much. She uh, <laughs> she doesn't come to a ton of shows with me. Um, she uh, she finds it tiring sometimes to like you know not know everyone. Yeah, and you of know course. I've been here for a while. Yeah, um, but uh, you'll you'll meet her at some point. But yeah, she she's sure. a huge sci-fi fan. Was okay. was the reason I brought her up. Huge sci-fi fan. She's introduced me to a ton of shit. We we watch a lot of movies. You know, she's introduced me to a lot of books. But um, she remembers absolutely everything about everything she ever watches, everything she reads. She'll remember every character name, every actor name, every plot point. And I can watch a movie, and then an hour later like feel like I didn't watch the movie. Um, a lot of, a lot of these movies that deal with this sort of um, virtual reality stuff are very interesting to me, especially these days. But this movie Strange Days yeah. came out in the 90s and it's got like Ray Fiennes in it and uh, Angela Bassett and Juliette Lewis um, and some British guy that uh, is in a lot of these types of movies. And it's kind of the same deal where it's like you're you know, you put this thing on your head and like you're transported to some other, you know, you, you experience another world basically. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, then that's, that's like the, uh, the big, like, um, you know, set piece in this, in this, in the, uh, and it's like one of the plot devices they use to push the storyline forward. But then, you know, of course there's other intrigues that go on that, you know, create conflicts and everything. But, but yeah, it's like, it came out before the matrix and I just, um, you know, it's it's one of those films that you can't find anywhere either. Huh. Was it one of those movies? Apparently, because you know, The Matrix like borrowed a lot of ideas that had been presented. Do, do you think it was like one of those movies that The Matrix might have taken some inspiration from? I'm going to say that The Matrix pretty much borrowed everything from this book called The Neuromancer right. by William Gibson, mm-hmm. and um, I think that probably Strange Days did the same thing. Sure. It's kind of similar. They probably just ripped off the Guess same Yes, we're guy. all ripping off Gibson, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it's like, yeah, that kind of stuff really, really bugs me out. And uh, I find that I find anything that has like this technological tie in with the future and like dystopian worlds is like, to me, one of my favorite things in sci fi, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I think the question for me would become like, so say tomorrow somebody unveiled some tech where it's like, the headset no i fuck the headset it's it's the matrix like you you plug a thing into yeah. the back of your neck and you for all intents and purposes you are there if that was reality like if that if that happened would it at what like could would you say that that is let is like of less value than real life like would it be of equal value? Like, if there were people who decided, like, I'm just going to live in this alternate world, would would we object to that? Like, as a culture, like, as a civilization, would that be fucked up? Would that be cool? I think eventually people are going to go into that because it's like every time there's a technological breakthrough, right, there's always resistance by the Luddites. Yeah. You know I mean? Even with cell phones. It's like, yeah. how many people are like, oh, man, this is, you know, I don't want a cell phone. And like, you know, I was one of those guys. Man. Didn't, I didn't want anyone to be able to get in touch with me, man. Like when, when I, I, I often look back with fondness to the days when there was no cell phones. And like, if you wanted to get the fuck out of, out of the, the consciousness of everybody, you could just take a walk. Yeah. And no one would be able to find you or get in touch with you or anything. 
And I was like, oh, I don't need a cell phone. I waited. And then I got a flip phone. And then the, the smartphones came out. And I'm like, I don't need, I don't need that. Yeah. Next thing you know, I'm like, just like everyone Fucking else. I got time, everything right? on my phone. Uh, it's like earbuds in all day long and i'm like a fucking <laughs> drone man yep but that's what i mean though like this type of scenario that you're you're proposing is like yeah there's gonna be like a resistance and then the, the couple of brave souls who go out there and try this <laughs> out but then like 10 years five years because by then the acceleration of you know that sort of like you know like like uh what's his name there the singularity guy he talks about how things like exponentially are going faster towards this point. Yeah. You know, three years later, that's going to be what people do. It's just normal. It's going to be normal. just normal. Yeah. And there will be people who say, like, the world was better when, Mm -hmm. but it's interesting to me to wonder, like, like something like that, which to us sounds so alien and, like, kind of fucked up, uh, maybe on some level, but, you know, is it really... Is it well, really like? And I, I mean, and that's I what I'm saying, man. We live in a magical world right yeah. now compared to someone from the '70s. Right. Oh man. Can you imagine like someone from the '70s, like you know, with just being plucked out of that environment and put here and being like, this is like some fucking lost in space shit that's yeah, going man. on. You know, dude. Can you imagine Jimi Hendrix comes back to life and it's 2017, and he can like sit down in his home and have limitless limitless like tracks to yeah. record and he can program drums and he can just like play everything by himself and get like or not even play better, everything by not himself. even play everything right like just do everything with some fucking modeling program right or some midi controlled thing you know right yeah yeah it's 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 wild it's and i think it's it's kind of fun to like you know romanticize like oh things were different you had to do this and you know th- there's i think there's probably there's value in that yeah but I, I like thinking about, you know, like, how will we adapt to the next thing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, like, a very interesting time because this really is probably we're on the cusp of, like, the next, like, the same way hominids arose from, like, you know, the humans arose from hominids. I think some other life form is going to arise from us. That's It seems like the direction we're going. Man, I mean, like, you know, like, the biggest, I remember driving printing out directions from MapQuest and they would sit on my passenger seat and I would, I would every now and then I would glance down at this, at this paper. Yeah. You know, or I remember my dad pulling out maps. Oh, maps. Yeah. Dude, he, he would keep a map and he'd pull out a map Mm -hmm. and it would spread across the table and do that. Dude, you know, imagine, I mean, touring before there was like, everyone had a a, a freaking GPS in their phone. It's like, same thing. It's like we go on tour and I'd have like this gigantic binder of oh, all yeah. the directions from MapQuest or whatever, like all the paper, everything, like a three-ring binder, man. And day by day, I would just go, th- all right, we're going here today. And this, oh, oh, yeah, okay, what's that? Dir- oh, we missed that turn, you know? It's like, yeah. the next thing you know, you're lost. Right. And then I had one of those big, um, you know, those trucker maps. And I thought it, I thought it was really cool because the pages were laminated, you know? And I'm like... Oh, this is like the fucking cusp of technology, man. This like laminated map. <laughs> yeah. That's like already outdated like three years later, you yep. know. But uh but yeah, it's it's tripped out how everything is just on this device now. Like every single thing you can need when you go out on the road is like there. Yeah, it's 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 fucking awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> it really it really you know, you know for uh for all of the complications it's caused, 
you know, I think it's offered us a lot. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to like in a few years from now to look back on a lot of the technology and a lot of how we use technology yeah. like right now and think like, man, what fucking savages, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, especially I think I think a lot of like the ways we communicate online, you know, I think the idea of like big public forums in a lot of ways, like the idea that there should be a place where anyone can just come in and like leave anonymous comments, I think is a thing that is just going to go away. Yeah. Cause the, the, the being anonymous is like, that's the wrong look. Uh, it's, I mean, I think, I think anonymity is important in some cases. Like I don't, I don't think we need like a government database, you know, cause I okay, think that's, yeah, that respect, I agree that's with you, fucked definitely. up. But yeah. like, I think, you know, there's there's definitely there are diminishing returns on community size and level of qu- like quality of contributions, um, and I I don't have a solution for it, but I think like Twitter, in for all of the great things it does, I think Twitter does a lot of f- really fucked up things, and it allows a lot of really fucked up things, and I and I, the fact that they can't seem to make a viable business from that platform is very telling. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that in a few years we're gonna look back on you know Twitter and and Reddit to a certain extent and, and like comments the comments section on Brooklyn Vegan and be like what the fuck were we thinking like yeah dude yeah you know YouTube comments YouTube comments I don't even have I, you ever seen anything quality in a YouTube comment no. where you were like my life is better for having read no that? I'm no. not much of a commenter myself actually even on like just any. Yeah, occasionally, like on Instagram or Facebook, if it's a friend, and I'll like write something. But I'm not like one of these guys who's like compelled to write a lot of things online about anything. Really, I did leave. A, I did do. A, I wrote a review of my post office here on oh, Help, yeah. though. Yeah. I, in Greenpoint, they have the worst <laughs> post office here. The worst. Yeah. The worst. That's saying a lot. Yeah. And I've lived in a lot of different places all over the country, man. And this is the worst. And this is the worst. What post makes it office. the worst? Oh, just um, having people that don't give a fuck about you at all working there. Um, I've had. I mean, I, sh- I ship. You know, the coffee business. Ship? I ship out. Well, I stopped shipping out of there now. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, at this stage of the game, I, I have a lot of a lot of third party uh, stuff going on. Yeah. Where I don't ship as much as I used to out of the out of the place here. Yeah. But still, for the direct sales from the website, I, I still have to ship packages. Stuff have gotten lost from them. And like when you go and track, put the tracking in, it tells you kind of what happened. Right. Like it was never checked in never, you know, yeah. or whatever. You know. And um, so that's one thing. The other thing is like whenever I go on tour, I always stop my, you know, my mail. Oh, yeah. And then you have to, like, they've lost stuff and stuff hasn't changed. You know. So anyway, I wrote like after a particularly bad experience, I. I wrote a, a review of uh, the postal, you know, my, my post office here, and I, I gave it. I said I gave it a one, and in the interview uh, review, I said if I give it a zero, I would. That's how strongly I feel about the poor quality of the postal service here in Greenpoint. So it's one thing the technology has given us: <laughs> the ability to talk shit about our post office. Yeah. Everybody knows it. I use, I think it's pretty much all I use Yelp for. It's yeah. Like occasionally, I'm not a, I'm not a big restaurant complainer you know i can everybody has bad days you know every now and then i still feel compelled you know sometimes sometimes you just have to yeah 
I like yeah. Yelp for that though. For I mean, because you know, you go to some city somewhere, you yeah, know where oh, anything yeah. is, and it's just like, all right, where where can I get like coffee? And there's oh, there's a place that's a quarter of a mile away from here, you know, or something. That's always that that's crucial when you do a lot of traveling for sure. Yeah, they do they do some fucked up stuff though with like, you know, there there've been rumors. Have you read any ever read about like been rumors for years that you know they uh, they kind of bully businesses really? into paying? Yeah, because um, you know they. I've just I've read stuff about how like they'll give preferential treatment like helping remove bad reviews mm, if you're willing okay. to pay you know f- pay for their services. Oh, so there's some mafioso um, stuff. Yeah, to, there. yeah, <laughs> and you know like bad Yelp reviews can be really brutal for a business. Absolutely, and any piece of shit can leave a review for any reason, and it can be really hard for business owners to uh, to to control the yeah. narrative. You know, or like not even control the narrative, just like participate in the narrative. The uh, and and I think that people a lot. I mean, and, and once again, this is colored by my, my location here. I feel like the uh, my environmental surroundings here are are informing the statement that people like to be negative about stuff. They yes. like to <laughs> they like to say this place isn't good or it was better oh, yeah. or this other. You know, they like to you know, be the connoisseurs of, uh, basically meaningless shit. Oh yeah. You know, and, Welcome and that's, bro. that's a drag to you, man. Cause it, the nature of Yelp itself brings that out in people like their inherent, like cuntiness. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and that, that's kind of a drag. Cause I mean, I've also, you know, there's Greenpoint used to have a lot of cool places to eat and everything. And it's changed quite a bit over the years, but, um, yeah, I used to like to go to this place, Brooklyn label, which is like a couple blocks from here. And like, it's actually, a completely other story that's completely gone now like it doesn't even exist anymore but you know it was like a fun place to go they had good food there's different periods but i've read some horrible reviews about that place huh. and i'm just like you can't you got to look at the the median and then the standard deviation yeah. of everything you know you got to yep. look at like what the median thing is and then you got to look at the extremes and then be like all right well there's a lot of people scattered all over the map so maybe they're they're just having bad days too yes. and they want to talk shit about something you know seriously but uh, but yeah, so um, when the record comes out, you guys are have a pretty cool like European thing going on. Doing yeah, road, man. Roadburn. Yeah, Roadburn. Yeah. Um, Doom over Leipzig. Uh, the Vendetta Fest. You know the the label. Yeah, the label. He's, at, yep. he's doing a fucking ridiculous, um, ridiculous fest. Um, and there are like there are, I I should have them all just memorized at this point um but yeah we're we lucked out um we're, we're playing we're playing this festival called dude fest dude uh, fest. dude fest there used to be one yeah. in Indian, indianapolis yeah dude when fest. when i google dude fest like all kinds of shit comes up yeah. so um but yeah man um a lot of just killer shows yeah ultha are you know we'll be out with them the whole yep. time that's our um, mutual friend ralph schmidt yeah ralph is the best fucking guy they yeah. all just seem like oh, yeah. the, just the best guys yeah their new record's great new record's fantastic yeah. new record definitely made me step up my game i yeah. got it i got it while i was writing and uh i i listened to it and i was just about done writing the record and it made me like go back and reevaluate things because i was like man like i could push some of this harder like yeah. these guys these, this is it's just so fucking dark oh yeah and uh it made me think like maybe i need to push maybe i need to push a little darker 
um, you know, just like thinking like, man, these guys are going to show us up every night. Yeah, totally, man. They're, they're, I haven't seen them live yet because they're, you know, they yeah. primarily perform in Europe <laughs> only right. and, and, uh, but you saw planks. I saw, of course. Yeah, we well, you toured planks, with planks a couple right? times. We did a U.S. tour. We did dates in, in, in Europe with them. How were they? I mean, Great. I'm sure they they're were awesome, man. Yeah. And, and, uh, I also have, I've never seen them, but, uh, Rob used to play in this band called Hellstrom before that, which was like, uh, kind of like a D beat, you know, hardcore punk, you know, my cat's back. There. Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, this kind of like, um, brutal hardcore, you know, you're very European sort of hardcore band. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've known, I've known Ralph for a long time, man. And he's one of those guys that's helped me out a, a lot over the years, just, you know, be it, you know, helping us out on the tour, on the road or just being like a friend or whatever, man. He's like one of the best people I know, like hands down. Seems and, like uh, it. He's one of those guys. I wish I saw him every day, man. Yeah, you know? man. I, I, that get the feeling, you know, we haven't met in person yet, but that's oh, yeah. definitely the feeling I get from just like, just, just being in touch with him. Yeah, so he's much. the best guy. He man. just, just great sense of humor. So enthusiastic. Um, like this tour would not, I don't know how it could possibly happen yeah. without him. He's, he makes things happen, definitely too. Yeah. That's like another. He gets shit done for Dude, sure. He he's just, yeah. So I'm I'm really I'm really looking forward to it. And I've got I've got to know like some of the other guys in the band a little bit. Um, you know, I exchange messages messages with Chris. I don't know if you know. Chris. I don't I don't know any of the other members oh. personally, unless I've met him in other unless they're common members from other things. Gotcha. But yeah, yeah. The they, first time I met Ralph is when uh my, my old band Anodyne our only European tour. Um, I'm trying to remember, he was connected somehow with the guy who booked the tour and our driver. And he was, you know, one of, you know how like in every city there's like the dude who's like kind of the guy, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And in, uh, in Heidelberg at the time, Ralph was living in Heidelberg. He was like the guy or no, he was, when was he in Heidelberg or Mannheim? Anyway, one of those cities. So Ralph was the guy, or he knew the no, guy? No, Ralph was the guy. Ralph was the guy. Because we needed a place. We had, like, a couple days off, so we needed to stay somewhere. So we, like, hung out with him in Heidelberg. Right. And uh, just with him and his roommate. And, like, kind of like, it was almost like a dorm room. Like, this weird flat that they have over there. And we, we had, like, a night off. And then the day and the night, and we you know went out to eat and watch movies and listen to records and you know that's where that's where he and i really became like like tight because he liked the same shit like he liked horror movies yeah you know we had all these a lot of the same records he turned me on to like some european stuff i'd never heard you know gave me a list of stuff to find and you know and uh and he was friends with this band lynch that we toured with the second half of that tour that was was with this band lynch and uh i'm still sort of in touch with those guys too they're they're a cool band but, you know, it was like a very, very, um, you know, of the time. Like, it was like the late, like 2003, I think. So, there was like a the carryover from the 90s, sort of. And, like, yeah. all the bands had this this vibe that was like, you know, everyone was like, you know, way into ISIS. Right. And, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff was still going on at the time. Speaking you know? speaking of ISIS, the, do the you... terrorists or the, <laughs> rock, or the rock band? The fucking the rock band. Okay. Um, just think it's funny i like i have you know a lot of isis albums like, yeah I, I all the music i listen to is on my computer because okay. i sit at a computer all day sure and every time i scroll through my itunes and i see isis there i kind of like oh 
god like it's just i like look my brain has been rewired to just see isis as like the terrorists like it's i know just it sucks the right? only way i ever see it that's such a fucking work man because like that is like a completely made up thing too man calling them isis i know you know and it's like you know of why all not? the things to call them yeah it's <laughs> you like know? you know i mean an egyptian goddess you know like there's so many positive things about isis the mythological <laughs> thing yeah. To to like make up some acronym that is completely based on our intel, rather yeah. than using like you know whatever you know an Arabic name for it. It'd be like, can you imagine if there was like a a terrorist group and we called them beer? Yeah, beer, and it was just yeah. like every time you saw beer, yep. you thought like you know like beheading children. Yeah, it's just like oh my, of all the things, yeah. and like we we our media decides to call it call them beer. I had, um, you know, I, I have like, I'm really good friends with those guys. I've known those, all those dudes for like before the band existed. Like I'm like the drummer, Aaron Harris is like, I've known him since he was in high school. We've been friends wow. for decades. So, uh, you know, and I, I have like a special interest in them because of my friendship with them. And, and I like to see those guys do good things. And I support like all the shit that they do, like Turner's band Sumac. And, you know, Cliff has like this band called uh, Tyga. You know, and, and, you know, Mike Gallagher, like, uh, you know, um, MGR, Mustard, Gas, and Roses. Um, you know, all that stuff. Jeff, you know, he was in Palms, Crone, like all these things that are going on with those guys. I support that shit. So, you know, I have tons of their gear. You know, I have, like, T-shirts. Oh, man, and, like, yeah, and of course. Like, and you hoodies. can't. And, like, I remember, like, a couple of years ago, I was just, I had my, an ISIS hoodie on. It just said ISIS on it. Right. And I was like, what the, like, walking through. People are like the giving you looks, I'm like, right? I'm like, what's this motherfucker want like a piece of me or some shit? Yeah. You know, like, and then it, when I got all day long, I'm like, why are this motherfucker, these people fucking looking at me? Then when I got home, I realized that it was mm -hmm. a t-shirt. Yeah, man, that's fucked up. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. Could you imagine if like, and that's I I can only imagine that must be a big, you know, I'm sure that band is a big part of the like their personal identities. Yes, you know. And they, their brains are probably wired for like to think of ISIS as like a you know a good Positive thing, and like thing. they and they see it, and, and to have your a piece of your identity just like ripped away and you know just completely reappropriated. It's it must be like there must be this cognitive dissonance that you have to find a way to I reconcile. Know. Where like this thing, you know, it's it's wrong everywhere, but you just have to like deal with that yeah man and then there's an even worse aspect of that is there are people out there that you know that are completely ignorant of the, the fact that the bands broke up and formed in 1997 that think that they're like these young kids who right. are calling themselves isis with the terrorist organ that purportedly to terror the theoretical abstraction known as isis the yeah. terrorist organization yeah is even worse in some ways, you know what I mean? And uh, it's a drag because, I mean, dude, it was like, you know, those guys, their success I thought was fucking cool because it was like, you know, different than, I mean, people always mention them in Neurosis in the same vein, but it's like, is it still was even more different than the success Neurosis enjoyed because they sort of, crossed over in, into this almost mainstream thing really with a lot of people like you go to see neurosis it's like the same type of people that go to the shows you know right. they're like you know people into like 
you know, like there's the older dudes who are into like the punk stuff who come from a more, more punk and hardcore background. And, you know, the, um, and then there's like people who are into like Sun or like the, yeah. you know, the, the Southern Lord type catalog. But with ISIS, it's like, cause you know, I've, I've toured with them on several different occasions and I saw the transformation of their crowd from like the last tour we did with them um, was like their farewell tour. And it was like normal motherfuckers were there. It was like yeah. regular people coming out to see them. Yeah. You know? And I just think that's really cool that they were able to get their their message out to regular people who normally wouldn't go see Neurosis right. or a band like that, you know? Yeah. And to have that tainted by like... I mean, I don't even... It's not even like there is a fucking organization called ISIS. It's like this moniker that our intelligence people put on an, a, a loosely organized group of Arabic terrorists that are all different factions and all different groups and are broken down by tribal boundaries. And it's not even like there's one unified enemy out there that they're, okay, this is, we're, we have a flag. It says ISIS on it. It's like, that's some bullshit, man. And, and that's what's fucked up about it. So it's, it makes me even more like fucking bummed out. You know? <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. You know, it's like, uh, you can't if you send if you whenever you you buy something through, through like paypal or venmo and maybe maybe you've heard about this like when you buy something through paypal or venmo and you put like notes in like what it's for yeah like there are so many cases of people buying isis merch and it gets flagged because that's all automated like it's all reviewed automated yeah. for like you know t- to catch people who are trying to send money to like to fucking terrorists and uh so there are all these stories about people who are buying ISIS merch and it just gets flagged mm-hmm. and like the money gets held and you know, people have, tr- it's, it, it's, you know, on Facebook, I think they changed it to ISIS the band. Everything yeah. is ISIS the band. No, it has that, to that's, be. that's a smart move. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, it's, it's a drag man. Really? And like, you know, you get some guy, like some fucking dude who knows nothing. He's like, Oh, why the hell is this band called ISIS? Right. <laughs> You know, yeah, who kind of Americans are that? You know, call yeah. this band, why not call it Al-Qaeda, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, like, even those names are fucking bullshit too, apparently. Like Taliban, Al-Qaeda. Like, they're not even like real fucking names. Yeah. They're names that like w- was assigned to these groups by like our intelligence <laughs> people. Interesting. Yeah. Man, have you ever met someone who has your name? Yeah, dude. Actually, like- there's, actually, it's funny. Apparently, Dave Woody sent me this. There's a text message he sent to me about... Some uh, some guy that named Michael Hill. That's like some like white power organizer oh, down fuck. in uh, in Virginia. And he, <laughs> here it is. It just this text message just came today. It's like uh, something about the historic preserving the historic Christian civilization. Oh God. Yeah, the Neo Confederate League of the oh, South. Oh, I saw that article. Okay, yeah. Going around, I didn't read to, it. To combat the leftist menace uh-huh. to our historic Christian That's civilization. Me. It's a military-style order entitled Directive 02 2017 uh-huh. by Michael Hill. By Michael Hill. President of the Neo-Confederate League of the South. Oh, God. Yeah, that's me. So wow. is <laughs> reading that, does it feel like, because like, there's almost nobody with my name. Yeah, you know, it's a like it's a, name. it's a, you know, so whenever I do read about somebody who has my name, it feels weird. Like I have to kind of detach myself from it. Do you reading that? Like, do you feel strange, or yeah. have you met enough? Yeah, yeah, but also my mailman's name was Mike Hill from yeah. a few years ago, which is funny. 
too. Like he, my mailman from like maybe four or five, six, maybe seven or eight years ago, my mailman's name was Michael Hill. Weird, right? Like it it feels it feels weird. Like you feel like you're reading about shit you didn't. Or maybe it's like else. some Tyler Durden situation where when I fall asleep, I you I'm become the president of the Neo, Neo Confederate. <laughs> you know who knows? Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's it, it is it is weird when your name is being, you know, usurped by someone yeah. else. There's a there's a Chris Grigg who was the he was a, either the CEO or like some executive of some British investment bank. You should just become that. Guy. I I sometimes you know I hope that's a, some Tyler Durden shit where I you know wake up and I'm or like go to sleep and I become like an old British man. Yes. Yeah. Fucking loaded. Uh, <laughs> well, Greg is like what kind of what 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 origin is that? Is British, that like a British name? British, yeah. Okay. So it's um from what I've read, it's like a it's a modified form of Gregory. Oh, okay. Greg. Yeah. Right? So it's um so we're from my my dad's side is um from uh, from England. Okay. So there are a lot of Griggs in Canada. Um we came through, you know, we came through Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in Halifax. Oh, okay. So, um, and, uh, yeah, so there are a lot of Griggs there. And then uh, from, there seem to have been like, a, like a couple of like my, like big migrations, like Grig migrations to North America. Um, there's like a big family that I think came through Massachusetts and okay. they like, they trace them so they can be traced all over the place. I, uh, Few years ago, actually, I ended up working um, with a, a black guy named yeah. Greg. There's a lot um, of black people in my last name, by the way. It's yeah, yeah, several. There's like a fighter, like a woman fighter, um, Angela Hill. Oh, she's cool. She's like uh, a MMA fighter. She got my last, you know, obviously. We're yeah, probably cousins somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it. It was funny when he he started working, uh, started working with me. He was he's an older guy, just fucking nicest dude. And um, he told me, he was like, when I found out there was another Grig, I told my family and they couldn't believe there was a white Grig. Um, and it's, it's, it's just funny. Like, yeah. you know, it's like a, clearly there must be some tie uh, somewhere, yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. Right? My, actually, like, my mailman, Michael Hill, was black too. Yeah. So most, most people that I'm aware of, except for this uh, gentleman who's <laughs> probably the neo-Confederate guy, right. are, are primarily uh, black people. Maybe maybe he can't take it. Maybe his sense of identity is so fucking weak that he needs to put other people down. Cause, you know, maybe man, you know. But yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's yeah, it's funny when you run into somebody with your same name. You know, what's another even weirder scenario is when you meet someone who looks exactly like someone else. Yeah, has that ever happened to you? Uh, you know, the other day actually, I was getting out of my car at Vitus or not Vitus um, at. Um, to, to, for drum lesson. Oh yeah, we're by the Akron. Yeah, right? well, and former, former, Akron. former. Rest in peace. And there was a there was a dude standing there. I was like, my my car door was kind of broken, so I was like messing with the lock. And mm-hmm. there was this dude standing there staring at me. I guess because I looked like a crazy person, and he looked exactly like Ben Brand. Exactly oh really? Exactly like Ben Brand. Wow. To the point that I like, I actually opened my door when I finally climbed out my passenger seat because I couldn't open my driver's side door. Uh, I saw this dude standing there and I actually said like Ben and he was like huh maybe you look like someone else that he knew from his life somewhere else maybe you know maybe there was this kid I I lived in Washington State briefly like a long time ago and uh, there was this guy that I actually he played bass and we were trying to do a band together and he looked like another kid that I knew from Boston that played bass and they looked exactly the same 
and I never tried doing a band with the other guy, but I would start basing how I dealt oh, with yeah, this guy you- and how I felt about him on how I felt about the dude in Boston. You know, I mean, at the time, like it was not a negative thing, but it was just like an odd scenario where, like, what are the chances of meeting somebody who looks almost identical to someone else you know, same age, you know, roughly? Yeah, that shit's weird, man. It's very weird, very weird. I um, I'm terrible. It doesn't happen to me. Well, it happens to me in the sense that like I'm terrible with faces. Yeah. Like I have a very hard time recognizing people just in general i don't i don't know why um so that you know i kind of uh kind of come i guess at it from like the other angle or like i don't feel like i see a lot of people who i think look alike it's more that i like have trouble recalling you know like i, I have trouble recognizing that like yeah. someone is someone i know at all sure that makes sense yeah it's fair enough yeah so when when is the record release date Record release coming so, up soon, right? Uh, yes, but uh, well, no, yeah. So the the official street date is uh, March seventeenth. Okay. Um, what that really means is that'll be the digital day, um, and then the physical stuff is pr- gonna go out when it arrives. Stefan from Vendetta is like. He's a very like punk rock kind of mm-hmm. guy and yeah. does not like release dates and did not want to pick a release date. Um, wow. So it'll be uh, sometime around then, hopefully, you know, by or pro- probably that week they'll start going out. Um, we are expecting, I mean, the, the, we're, we're expecting to have everything. I think, I think we should have everything by then. I think the CD has already arrived. Oh, cool. Um, I'm still waiting on the test press. Um, it should arrive to me any, any day now. He's, Pretty confident we'll get it in time. Um, the big goal, of course, though, is you know having everything in time for tour. Yeah, because so, that road burn date's pretty sweet. Yeah, man. Yeah. So you know that's uh, the second week. We the album is March seventeenth. The tour is April thirteenth. I think. Okay. So yeah. we have a little bit of time, and Ooh, um, man, you know we have some shows we're playing. You know we're playing in uh, our first show in like three and a half years. It's in Philly with uh, Inner Arma. Oh, cool! At the end of March, and twenty fifth, I think, and then um, twenty. It's a Saturday. It's twenty. I think twenty sixth, maybe. I should know this, but here, here I am. Clearly. Hey, man, it's on your phone. So, yeah, whatever. It's on my phone. I don't have to know this shit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but um, uh, you know, we'd love to have it for that, and then we're playing Vitus the next night. Um, so you know, those are like technically our album release shows. So hopefully, we'll have it in time for that. Um. As much as I'd like to, I'm I'm a lot more concerned with having it in time for for the Europe trip. Yeah, dude, um, definitely. Cause like you know, I mean, have you ever been to Roadburn? Have you, not. Oh my god, dude, it's the best thing ever, man. It's like my favorite festival out of everything. Yeah, man. I mean, that's I'm. It's it's the one that, of course, you know, we're not to put down any other shows, but I, you know, it's 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 the last show of the tour. It was the yeah. first one we had booked. Um, it it kicked off this whole it kicked off this whole thing, mm-hmm. and um. You know, we're like, we're we're fucking over the moon to, to, to fun, be man. able to, to go to it. And it's really, you know, well organized and, you know, and, and the the vibe there is really cool. And everyone from all over Europe goes to that. It's really, really nice time, man. And uh, yeah, you meet all, there's all kinds of people there. Like I met, yeah. I met Tom G. Warrior there. That's awesome. You know, and uh, the dude's from Voivod, 
like I saw Fields and Anefa one play there. Oh man, when, when um when we played, they played Holy the same shit, day. Holy shit, that's amazing. Oh dude, I thought I'd never see them in the states. Yeah, I bet. You know, I bet. I've been listening to them a lot lately. Oh yeah, they're like one of my favorites, man. Like I remember reading about them. There used to be a um, what the fuck's the name of this magazine, man? I can't believe I forgot it. It's like a. It's like a goth industrial magazine from the 90s. It was like black and white. And I had like, when I worked at Newberry Comics, like it was in the 90s, I used to work at Newberry Comics in the warehouse. And I'd always get it because it had cool shit in there. Like it, they had like sound, like not just goth music, but like they had like Soundgarden, like when Loud Love came out and stuff. Or, you know, uh, what the fuck's the name of it, man? Anyway, whatever, my brain. I'd probably have it in my phone somewhere. <laughs> But that's when I found out about Fields of the Nephilim because I'm like, look at these guys, man, with these, like, their fucking whole aesthetic, man. So like, badass. So unique and badass. Yeah. And then that was the beginning. And then they were in um, a movie. Or, or there's a film called Hardware that uh, the filmmaker, Richard Stanley, is connected with those guys somehow. And Carl McCoy is in the movie as a small cameo. And that all that stuff like came together right around the same time, and like I've been fa- I've been a fan for twenty something years probably of Fields of the Nephilim, and it was it, I never thought it because all through that time I never even heard of them touring the states. Yeah, so I never thought I'd get a chance to see them play, and finally you know I saw them in Europe. It was great. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's fucking that's really cool. I didn't realize that they played that or that you got to you got to play with them. Yeah, they played two nights actually. That's fucking man. Yeah, they played uh like. Two different sets, you know, one night, and then we'd caught the second show or whatever. And, um, yeah, it was fucking cool, man. And uh, like I said, that was – it'd be great if they came to the States, man, because, like, there's talk. They released a new song last year. They did. It's it's good. Yeah. It's, it's like, good. I feel like they, they – I mean, I'm not – I don't – I haven't been listening to them for nearly as long as you. Um, I, don't, I don't know their whole catalog the way I'm sure you do, but, like, from, from – what I've been able to, uh, to to really digest, it seems like they kind of went, almost feel like they went through like a little rocky period, like kind of figuring out how to make their sound heavier yeah. without, I don't know, just like with, with doing it, without doing it poorly. Is that, yeah. is that a mean thing to well, say? There's, no, there's like, that one record, Zune, which is like pretty heavy handed as far as like production goes to make it sound more metal. Right. You know, I still like that record. Like there's that song Wake World, which is like, towards the end of the record which you know it's it's it has that industrial metal feel to it but it's still a good song man yeah. i think most of the material on that record is good just maybe the production's a little shaky yeah well, i feel like the the new the new song they released last year looks fucking good yeah right it's just a good song it was yeah. and it, i i feel like they've gotten they got a much better handle on like how to do this new thing they're trying to do without like completely like losing their old identity. Cause that happens to a lot of bands, man. man. It's like, it's funny. I just wrote this thing about the cult and the release of the electric album from the eighties and how like the cult transformed overnight from like, you know, this sort of like goth rock band into, you know, badass beer drinking leather clad rockers, you know, and it was just came off as very inauthentic. Uh, even though I was fascinated by that record when I, when it came out, yeah, but um, but yeah, I think that Fields have like avoided that pitfall. Thank God, man. You know, hopefully, Gary Newman has not, dude, not managed. Oh well, we, we were we saw that at, we at were there fun, at fun fun, 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 fun. Yep. we were standing there. Yeah. That was yeah, disappointing. It was, it was like. 
being influenced by Trent Reznor, who <laughs> oh, was influenced man. by him. It's yeah, like this dude, weird... it's come full circle. Yeah. Holy shit. That was, that was shocking. Yeah. But I have the feeling that if I'd seen Gary Newman in a small club playing that set, I probably would have really liked it. That's fair. I mean, it was during the day. Yeah. We were, I guess for, for the listeners, we, uh, so what, it was in Texas at Fun Fun Fun, what, like three years ago? Yeah, like two years, years ago? ago. Maybe two and years. And you guys were, years. I don't think you were playing, but you were on tour or did we you play? We played like the, one of those like fun, Oh, you fun, played the nights. Nights. That's right. Yeah. You played with Death Heaven. Yeah. I think. Yeah, we played with them. That's right. And uh, um, at this place called Elysium. That's right. Like a really cool club down in Austin. Yeah, I saw it. Um, and uh, yeah, so and then, yeah, I remember you guys were like standing there. We, we all standing yeah. in the same spot yep. when Gary yeah. Newman played. And it was during the day yep. on an outdoor stage. Yeah. So, you know, it probably was not the right spot no, for him. Not, you know. So, But, you know, I, I actually have those those later two records that came out, and they're, they're listenable, man. They're listenable, you know I mean? yeah. There's, cool. like, splinters from a broken mind or something. But it's, like, it's definitely like, a different thing. Though. It is. It's not, you know, two-way army. You know, it's it's, like a thing that he's doing that's different yes you know? and, it, and, it, and it's either like it or you don't and, yeah you know i respect him as like a creative guy so. oh yeah i mean and ultimately like you know i can be disappointed in his live show it doesn't like detract from his contributions to yeah. to you know the landscape and and i'm sure he has reasons for the decisions he makes and you know i'm sure he's doing exactly what he wants to be doing and you know it's not not for me to did you see judge. Were you there for the whole festival for Fun Fun Fun? I, well, uh, yeah, I think. What so. the hell are you doing in Austin? We went down for the fo- for the fest. You Fucking, guys, you guys played that? No, no, no. Um, Lauren and I went down uh, just to hang out, just for the fest. Oh yeah. wow! Okay. Yeah, because I mean, you're like that lineup was completely insane, man. Like King, King Diamond, Diamond <laughs> Priest, Failure. I for didn't me. Even see Failure. Oh yeah. my God, Nas. Yeah, Nas. So it like sick of it all. Like. That right there was all I really needed. Like, um, King Diamond, it was probably like the best performance I've ever yeah. seen. Um, definitely because it was his, he was like the headliner and he yeah, got the, dude, he got the full, like the full, like stadium feel with like the full backdrop. Yeah. Um, that fucking band, man. His band's on point, Un- man. Unreal. Oh, yeah. Just like, the most rock and roll thing, man. Like just everyone, everyone brings a hundred percent. Yeah. You can tell they're just like fucking doing what they were put on earth to do. Like just, just amazing. Yeah. That was, that was a great night. And that was like a night off for us too. So like when priest played, we had to go over to the Elysium after their set to get sound checked and do our thing that night. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But the, um, you know, King Diamond though that was that was a day off, so it was great. Oh, to just nice! Sleep late, <clears throat> hang out, hang out, yeah, do the thing, and then you know, I think that was like the towards the end of the tour too. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. It ended in like Dallas, and then we drove back after that. Oh man, it was fucking miserable. Man. Yeah, well at least it ended. You know, you got yeah. to like go to that fest. Oh totally. That was a great. I think that was like they did one more of those, and then they I don't think they're doing that fest anymore. They did. They did the next year, and uh, the lineup wasn't. Uh, it didn't hmm. speak to me. Yeah. Um, and then I think that like tough, that man. group. It's gotta be tough trying to book a oh, fest every year. Only imagine. Because you know it's like you gotta get bands that are 
not cheap to play mm-hmm. that people are going to, I mean, being a promoter in general has got to be like, I've never even tried to do that ever. It seems stressful as hell. <sighs> I worked for a while for a, uh, you know, for this music, like live music tech startup. And um, so I got to see a lot of, you know, what goes into like event promotion. They, they mostly deal with, um, with bigger, like electronic stuff. Okay. So I got to see, you know, like the amount of money that, that went in, go into those shows. It's just unreal. Like the stress, like the, like just the, the fucking burden, you know, that you take on is just, just monstrous. That's like probably the biggest style of music really is that it was it called EPMD ED, or EDM, EDM, yeah. EDM, whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, man. We played like that Roskilde festival in uh, Denmark and uh, it was like the biggest things were those types of artists. It's just like one dude up there. Dude, one dude. Yeah. One dude with like gear that he can carry in just like one suitcase. Yep. Yeah. Um, It's, and the money they make. Yeah. Big is time, man. insane. Insane. Yeah. And it uh, makes you, makes you think sometimes. <laughs> well, you know. I, I I can never imagine doing something like that, really. I mean, it's just like, I might as well be like, it's like me fantasizing about being a cop or something like that. It's like a bad job I would never do. Right, yeah. You know, no, it's I'm... the same shit, you know. It's like, it's like, yeah, if I, you know, if I was like a, a banker or something. Right. You know, it's like. Basically, if I was a different person. If I was a completely different person. If I was person. a completely different person. Yeah. You know, or like, that, that's the kind of way I look at that stuff. Because I, I like electronic music, but that, that style is just not my thing at all. You know what I mean? Oh, I, completely, completely. I find it, I actually find it, like, I've I've tried many times to write stuff that isn't metal. And I just, you know, I can get a song or two out. But, like, the thought of performing something like that, there's just a, it lacks of, there's like a lack of visceral yeah. energy. Like, I just, even, even clean singing live, I... It's tough. It's just, it doesn't have the force... You know, I can't imagine making, I can't imagine making a career of like, I fuck making a career. I can't imagine like investing a lot of time, even, even casually. I mean, you know, of course not like talking shit on anyone who does feel passionately about well, that. Everyone's different. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, you know what I mean? And, uh, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like I, like a long time ago, I filled in on bass for this band just live. And, uh, it was like a kind of low energy kind of thing. And I just remember not being sweaty when I was done and I was just like what is this I don't even feel like I played a set man I feel like I just you know and it's funny to think that that's some people's experiences with playing live I mean imagine I would like to play it like acoustically at some point like I don't have anywhere near the ability to do that just yet but it's like that's another completely different trip that's like I can't even imagine myself doing that yet that is something I would like to try at some point but even that is like you're by yourself. And like, Dude, it's it's stressful. I did an acoustic show. Really? Uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was okay. How did it, how'd it go? I mean, was it, it was okay. How'd you prepare for it? Just did I you... wrote uh, like in like a demo EP worth of songs. Uh huh. Um, and yeah, I just practiced it a lot. Um, it's stressful, man. Oh, dude. It's really stressful. Like there's there's a certain when you're screaming into a microphone, there's a certain like buffer right between you and what's just i don't know there's like a certain buffer yeah don't even have to elaborate on it when you're singing when you're when you're sitting up there with an acoustic guitar and you're singing like f- 
fucking pressure's on, man. Oh yeah, um, man. totally. And it's, I don't know. Maybe it's the kind. Maybe you know. Maybe maybe it's the kind of thing where like if I did it more, it it I'd feel differently about Probably, it. Like maybe yeah. it's just a comfort thing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe you take someone who's used to playing acoustic shows, and for them it's like a visceral like magical experience and you try to get them to play black metal and they they would feel stiff and yeah. miserable Maybe yeah it's... i mean michael michael gira from the swans is like that's kind of like my uh i look to him for a lot of that kind of shit yeah he, he's very much like in that realm of putting it all out there in this way that's like completely like there's no barrier in a way right you know what i mean it's just like that's why that guy's like I got so much respect for what he's done with the Swans and the different iterations of that band and everything. You know. Yeah, man, it's 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 tough. I mean, it's it's putting yourself out there like that. It's like real it's difficult. You know. Well, um, thanks for coming by tonight. Dude. And uh cool. yeah, man, so you know, um good luck with the new record, man. It's, it's yeah. I mean, I've heard it because I wrote that piece. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, it's I, I think it's great. It's different. It's um, you know, not just the same sort of formulaic thing that might people might expect from a band that uh, has like several records out. And um, so yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, man. Thank you. I'm really uh, looking forward to uh, to it getting out there, playing the material live, talking with people about it. You know, it's good to good to be back. Yeah, man. <laughs> totally. You know, but no, I, I appreciate coming out and hanging with you yeah man thanks a lot